Ho, 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 it's that time of year to get in the spirit, plus a holiday cheer. Maybe buying a gift, some really cool gear, an amp, guitar, or pedal that you find so dear. Another idea is to find a new way to bring life and excitement to the things that you play. Have you exhausted a lot of the licks you employ? So maybe the answer is not really a new toy. When I sit down and hear the cats and kittens I dig, it seems like there's lots of other things going on under their wig. They're not just spewing forth ideas verbatim. They're playing things like they actually just made them. They're not imprisoned by the changes or being held hostage and shoving gristle in casings making musical sausage. They're free, creating. How high the moon? That's because they're really just playing the tune. Don't we want to bring something new and fresh, make it sublime, rather than going around the same well-trodden track every time? There's concept and choices that'll give you the spark to make every foray like a new walk in the park. The ideas and answers are sitting right there, you're solo snapping, if you open up your imagination and let it all happen. No learning all that vocab and licks isn't wrong, it just helps make better music when you're playing the song. So check out my video, look around, there's plenty of classes by lots of masters who are certified badasses. The best gift of all is to play creatively like you just thought it, and then you can make all your gear so damn glad that you bought it. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the hap happiest season of all with those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call It's the hap happiest season of all Yeah, yeah baby! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast. I am your host, Festive Festivus Troy McCabin. Uh, you have no choice, and uh, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast. Thank you, Bruce, for that lovely poem. The man just oozes poetic poetry to our ears to, uh, to promote his latest video on My Music Masterclass. Go check it out. If you are just bombarded with all the videos out there, all the, the tutorials, everything that we have to, to get our hands on and watch, and you're confused, you don't know what to choose, go check out Bruce's one. Uh, again, Bruce delivers the goods like the man of men he is. He really kicks ass on this one. It's a great video and it just sends the message. You know, Bruce cuts through all the bullshit sometimes. Well, sometimes. You know what I mean. But he gets through all the bullshit and like gets back to playing. This is what this video is all about. And um, um, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And Bruce, again... Just monster. The man's a monster. He's a fucking legend. And we love him. I love the Sir Bruce. So go check it out. MyMusicMasterclass.com Bruce Foreman. It's all about the song. I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? Hang on. Let me check on that. No, it's not all about the song. It's called Play the Song. 
Bruce Foreman played the song. Go check it out. Uh, it money well spent. I promise you. Uh, if you don't like it, Bruce will give you his money back. So there you go. So Merry Christmas. It's We're coming into Christmas time. And ladies and gentlemen, we have so much material. It's like Guitar Wank has been on steroids for the last month or so. We've had all these great, amazing visitors. Uh, we have, coming up, we have Lyle Workman. Uh, amazing cat. He's just a beautiful, sexy man. We love Lyle. He's a good bloke. A lot of cool stuff he's got to share with us, which is fantastic. That was a great conversation. Chico! We got Chico! An amazing Brazilian guitarist, and I just love Chico. That's the first thing I said to him when he came to the studio. Chico! How do you not say that when you hear his name? The man is a legend as well, and uh, he's on my music masterclass as well. We got Jeff Schroeder, guitarist for Smashing Pumpkins. Coming up, like tonight, this is what you're going to listen to, guitarist for Smashing Pumpkins. And uh, yeah, he wanted to be on Guitar Wink by Jingo's by Crikey's. He listens to every show. That's how boring it is to play in Smashing Pumpkins. You have to listen to Guitar Wink. Not really. It sounds like a really badass, fun job. He's having a ball. But uh, we get to sit down with Jeff. Jeff, that was super cool to hang with you and, uh, and, and shoot the shit. So that's coming up. We also had James Santiago. <laughs> James Santiago, the man behind the Oxbox. This box from Universal Audio, the Oxbox, that every time I brought it up, Scott would nearly bite my fucking head off about it. Oh my God, all the time. There was an actual episode where I didn't even post it because Scott just went off. He just was on an anti-Oxbox thing and uh i didn't even post it i was like i can't post that man that's just you went too hardcore he went too hardcore on it and uh i think i brought it up another time and he went the hardcore again so i was like ah fuck it i'm posting it so anyway so uh i wanted james to come in and um and he's actually a friend of scott's so they know each other they've got history and i wanted I wanted Scott to talk to James about the Oxbox and find out what the hell's going on. So, really, really cool. We had John Pisano on as well, and we're going to get John on again because we just touched the surface of all the amazing stories he's got with Joe Pass, Frank Sinatra, too many to mention. So, uh, we've got to get John back on, but we had John on. We're going to get to all these people, and uh, but tonight is, of course, we're going to do Jeff. Uh, so, go get... Bruce's video, if my music masterclass, and they're telling me the week leading up to Christmas, I think the 20th, uh, they'll be having discounts, I think 10% discount on my music masterclass. 10% discount, well worth it. The video is Bruce knocked it out of the park. He delivers! So, Bruce, uh, what else we got? We got mugs, we got caps, we got t shirts, we haven't got a lot of mugs left i don't think we've got plenty of caps and we've got some t-shirts left so if you ordered they are on their way they are being sent out so don't panic you will get them before christmas if you haven't ordered you better get your orders in straight away so um i can get them out to you for christmas and have all your chrissy presents and uh speak of supporting we have now have a patreon account so you can go and support us and uh and just Give whatever you feel like giving and support. Please do. It's much appreciated. We're trying to give you even more content and more amazing stuff. And uh, when we get to a certain number, Bruce is actually going to dissect a jazz, dissect a rat, 
uh, every week uh, when we do that. Well, once a week, once a month. Dissect a song, a jazz song, one of his choices. So uh, that'll be fun. A big shout out to Shane Terrio. Shane! But well, mate, he's a good bloke. If you don't know Shane, go check out our episode with Shane Terrio. That was a lot of fun. We have to have Shane on again because he's always got lots of fun stories. Rob Harris. Our mate Rob. Guitarist for Jamiroquai. He was off to... Where is he off to? Geneva? <laughs> he was off to Geneva. Yeah, he's off to the airport. He was listening. He, re- he texted me. Good on you, Rob. Fucking love the text, mate. Uh, just listening uh, to the last of the Robin Ford episodes. Robin Ford, man. Those episodes were big. Yeah, I love the Robin Ford stuff. Uh, we've got one more Robin, okay? I'm holding out. I'm going to hold out. We've got one more. It's, it gets better because... By this last episode, we're all completely smashed. He did, Rob just reached out and just said he's at Geneva and he's listening to the last of the Robin Ford podcasts and it's getting him through. Oh, tough life there, Rob. Off to Geneva to play a gig with Jamiro Choir. Up your bum. <laughs> Mate, fantastic. We really love hearing from you. Love hearing from Shane. Shane will send me a joke now and then. Uh, none of them that I can share, really. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, Dweezil never writes. Dweezil, you never write, mate. Text, you never write back. Make sure you check out our Patreon page. It's on the website. You can go to guitarwank.com and it's one of the headings up top. Go check it out. If you don't know anything about Patreon, uh, you basically become a supporter and you get extra content by becoming a supporter of Guitar Wank and uh, we're going to give you extra content as time moves forward and stuff that we won't release to the normal public. It'll be the special people, just for the special people. You'll feel very special. Okay, well, let's get into it, guys. This is uh, Sir Scott, Sir Bruce, myself and Jeff Schroeder and uh, another good mate of Jeff's with him uh, who was... Scott as well, I believe, from uh, Line 6 and Yamaha. So um, welcome all. Please sit back and enjoy. And uh, we will see you all next week. Keep the emails coming and uh, keep posting and sharing. And don't forget the forum. It's all happening, ladies and gentlemen. It's all happening. Okay, be safe. And we'll see you guys all next week. Uh, Out. I'll be home for Christmas. Only in my dreams. Are you using that? I'm using Digital Performer. And, no, no, no. Know. The the aux. Are you no, using that? No, no, no. I record a cabinet. I've got a room with no okay, windows. Okay, yeah. And I, and I turn Marshall cabs up full volume and yeah. record them. And uh, nobody calls the police because I've got a room with no windows and yeah, no yeah. doors. Yeah, we can talk. Oh, wait, so, <laughs> it's well, it's we wait. room because there's no doors or windows. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. actually parachute in. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so... It's a mess. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so, thank no, you so much. No, no, no. Announce our guest. Yeah, well, we're not started yet. No, we're, we're not. Getting well, but Tony, my, because I'm, you know, he's actually organized, so I was really thankful for that. He's like, dude, why don't I get in touch? I'll be like, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. So. All right. Are so we, you, yeah. well, I think we're good.
We're, we're so unofficial here. No, I've, we, I guess tell them. Well, I've, you, I've listened to almost all of your episodes. Really? I'm, cra- I'm that crazy to where I've, I've listened. It's good. Why in the world it's would fun. you do that? Wait, I, I guess, it's fun. I guess when you're on the road, it's kind of boring, right? <laughs> so you need something like us. Yeah, and it's good for when you're... I mean, when... <laughs> you would know, you rather watch a movie or something? No, no. I would. Sometimes, and sometimes when you're... Well, lasts so long. It gets old after a while, yeah. You know what's going to happen at the end. No, but you know, regardless of your your both your all your guys' self deprecating humor, there is a lot of great insight into guitar playing and musicianship that I found in throughout the podcast. Well, thanks, so I found man. it actually You're the first one that's ever said that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I appreciate right? that. Yeah, no, did, I found did, it very did useful. Up to it? No, he okay. didn't. Scott didn't say no, no, okay. no. <laughs> He's got a gun pointed at you. you uh, that's right. No, that's no, right. no. There really is, and. You're not yeah, at all. No, you're boy, good, man. Yeah, you can like come a, over here you if you say, want, man. And you just can, and, and you can always heckle and rant. And you can and, uh, always say something if you want to. The show's already started. Yeah, yeah, Scott here. Already started, so. We have Scott here as well. Yes, not Scott, me. The, the other, other Scott. Yeah, are you on witness Scott. protection? No, I'm Scott Marceau. Scott Marceau yeah. from Yamaha Line Six. Yamaha yeah. and Line Six. Well, yeah. Uh, right, they're not the same company, are they? they? Well, they are now. Oh, okay. They. Do you, okay. I don't know if you know so Sean they Haley. To upgrade the line seven. You know Sean? Soon? He used to be my What's neighbor. Are they to live right to he's a great guy. Seven? We we hang sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, we just went pedal yeah, shopping I know a couple should. weeks ago. <laughs> that would be but um, yeah, he moved you know, into Nixon, this you know, neck of the woods morning, now. But he used to live. He used to be my neighbor, like close to Pasadena. Line that was like wait, it's line ten. Right, man. Do you know how that is? I'll introduce. We're gonna welcome the guitar. <laughs> it's just a shitty intro. Uh, funny to see it in person. I see. Now that you've seen it in person, you're gonna. Oh man, it's not that cool now. I'm never gonna listen to this shit again. No, well, he knows. Cool. I know a lot of people cool. think that Troy is actually a, an Australian ventriloquist puppet that I. <laughs> and who's got their hand up my ass? That's the problem. And now you know he's actually a real person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Schroeder. Did yes. I get the last name right? Correct. Yes. Wow. Correct. There you go. Jeff Schroeder. Shredder. Well, people do call me that as well. Uh, I would have uh, guessed. You know. It's a pretty low-hanging. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty there. Yeah. Now, how did, how did this come about? Because all of a sudden, Bruce calls me. He's like, "Oh, we got Smashing Pumpkins guitarist coming in." Right. And yeah, how did it come about? Well, the short story is, I study with the jazz teacher in Chicago, Tony Del Rosario, and he's actually the one who introduced me to this podcast. Okay. And Tony went to MI. Oh, well, he did? You, yeah, so he, in the 90s. So okay. he knew you from then. Uh-huh. You know, open counseling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He's, yeah. You know, open I, casket, as we <laughs> call it. Cat. The viewing starts then, in five minutes. <laughs> and then Bruce was just there yeah, in Chicago cool. and, and did a... Did a workshop. A workshop at Old Town where I studied with Tony at. I was actually on the road, so I couldn't go, but... And so then Tony was like, hey, you're going to be in L.A. Why don't I reach out to Bruce and see if you should be on the podcast? And, and the so band is from Chicago, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And all I, you guys? I live there. Billy lives there. Jimmy, the drummer, lives there. Um, James, the other guitar player, actually lives in LA now. And then our bass player is is from England. Oh, okay. So he's living okay. in. Yeah, he's from Manchester, England. Okay. Yeah. Cool, wow. man. That's yeah. so. This this is really cool. I think for us because, yeah, I we're mean, not the used fact to that having rock stars. Yeah, 
people we're, that sell out the forum. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, yeah. If it's good. ever been our show, I can safely say has ever sold out the forum. Right. Yeah, it's you know, for except for maybe John Pisano, maybe. No, <laughs> John. <laughs> no, John. Yeah, the guy I can think of. Uh, maybe you know, sold out the forum. Yeah, yeah. yeah John. I had forum at my gig once. Four and five of them, but, uh, but uh, not, yeah. not the forum. Not that forum. Yeah. So how did? How long have you been with Smashing Pumpkins? About twelve years. Yeah, since two thousand seven. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. when you joined. Damn. Yeah. About 12 yeah. well, years. How did that come about? Was that an audition process? Was yeah, that... I was, you know, because I'm from L.A. I'm right. from here, and um, I actually was going to graduate school at UCLA. Yeah. I would kind of not, I, you know, I'd been in a bunch of bands, you know, th- throughout my 20s and stuff, and I wasn't making enough money and all that kind of stuff typical of, and I'd... Decided to go, so I was getting a PhD in comparative literature at UCLA. I was Jesus, full that's so acad- out. Yeah, like full into like academia, and so. Wow. But this being LA, uh-huh. you know, everybody is connected to the industry somehow. Like you know, I mean, so an old friend of mine said, "Hey, my some somebody I know is working for the management company that's managing Smashing Pumpkins, and they're putting the band back together. They're gonna need they need a new guitar player." I think you should audition for the band. And I'd never, I've never auditioned for a band. I'd always mm-hmm. had my own bands. I wasn't like that type of musician, like, hey, I'm going to move to L.A. and try to get gigs with right. whoever. I yep. just always had my own bands. And so I didn't have a bio, photo, nothing. And so I just put something together, sent it off to them, and... Here I am, 12 oh, years old. So it wasn't like you had to go to a, some cattle call was audition? It a live I audition. did audition, though. They did, like, actually, you know, and it, and because they were in L.A. making an album, it wasn't just one time. It, it was like, hey, why don't you learn a couple tunes? We got together, played. They're like, oh, that was good. They'd invite me to the studio just to hang out, to get to know them. Um, so and then we they'd be like, hey, why don't you learn three more tunes and we'll get together in a couple of weeks and play again. Okay. And so it really evolved over time, and they were trying out other people at the same time too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. So. Wow, man, that's so. Were you a fan of the band? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I, I was in high school, like almost graduate, about seventeen, eighteen, when the first album came out. Yeah. So. I was really um, cognizant of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it was really at a time um, when that style of music was really starting to erupt. Um, And something about Billy Corgan, the way he played guitar, was very much kind of came from the same set of influences that I would have, which is, you know, kind of growing up out of the 70s, 80s, hard rock, heavy metal, technical playing, and Mm -hmm. then kind of this post-punk, new wave style of guitar playing as well. And that hybrid of the two, you know, was really kind of the basis of the guitar languaging of the Smashing Pumpkins. And yeah. So I was from that generation. Wow. Is it a well. trip? Like, do you look back now and just go, fuck, man, I'm in, I'm in Smashing Pumpkins. That's... No, I am really, like, now, because I'm going to be 45 in, yeah. in, um, in February. Are you going to be 45? Yeah, yeah, which is a trip. What's, I mean, what's your background? Because you don't, you look I'm like... Korea, half Korean. My mom was Korean. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, Good genes, right? <laughs> yeah, Good genes. Yeah. So, um, I am thankful in knowing how hard it is to make a dime in the music industry that sure. I'm very thankful for yeah. just that be able to have the platform. Just to even, you know, pay my bills playing the guitar. Yeah, right. Is it, know, um, is it, was it a a sideman gig at the start and turned into a full position no, or how did it work out? No, was it was full time from the wow. beginning. Yeah, they they were 
you know, they specifically didn't want you know, what, what they call a gigger. Right. Someone that goes from right. gig to gig. Sure. They yeah, wanted sure. someone to be in the band. Yeah, and that's wonderful because yeah. you, your input is important in the, yeah. in the writing process and the whole recording process it's, and everything, which is yeah, great. Yeah, it's much you know, different. That's, yeah. mu that's, that's rare. You know it what is, I mean? That's because what I mean, and I realize that it's more rare. and every it's day rare. I really realize yeah. that. It's and wonderful. Go, and just like, hey, like I said, just the fact to be able to tour, you know, make some money, have a guitar tech, you know, be able to work with companies like Yamaha Line 6 that really mm -hmm. want to do things with you. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's all cool stuff. It's I mean, really I don't take cool. it lightly. Yeah, yeah. Really and don't. obviously personalities fit with the band members and... Yeah. No, they all hate each other like every band. <laughs> well, you know, you, at this point, you know, you know, besides me, uh, I don't have any kids or anything. Yeah. Um, but they all have children Family and stuff, and, that, and yeah. so I think you again, th that's they're working for bigger things more than just self fulfillment as well. It's like, yeah. hey, I have a family to take care of, and and not in just from a monetary stance, but I think when you start having young children, you want them to look at you and go like, wow, like my father or whatever mother's doing something really cool yeah yeah so i think that so it's a really good good time for the band yeah. right now Dude, my, really... my career stopped when i had a kid <laughs> it stopped i mean yeah. literally i stopped doing everything for like 10 years yeah i didn't even i mean i played but it wasn't the same i didn't do anything like like i was used to putting an album out every year and touring, blah 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 yeah. and touring and and it stopped my career that's it i'm done like I, I, I put you 10 years yeah. into just raising my daughter and being with her and I, sure. I cut touring in half. I didn't do an album. I didn't write. I didn't do anything yeah, for 10 years yeah, because yeah. it was important to me to be a, a good dad. Sure, and sure. now th then, you know, after 10 years and she sort of like became a little adult, then I kind of eased back into <laughs> doing my thing again. And yeah. now she doesn't give a shit what I now do. She, now like, she like, hates like, you. Oh yeah, you're right. Now she's like, <laughs> are you again? You know, so now I can just do my thing again. It's like more than I could before she was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, wow. no, that's amazing. Well, I got to say, I listened to some of your stuff. I wasn't really familiar with Smashing Pumpkins. Sure, sure. Because I'm too old, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. stopped listening to rock, I, I guess, when Led Zeppelin broke up. <laughs> but, 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 um, you know, I have my bands that I like, but I listened to some of your stuff, and I got to say, man, the tones. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, like yeah. some really nice guitar tones and nice textures and nice layering. And yeah, yeah. Like That's a lot thing. of work that, went into that it's, shit. It's man. a big sound. Yeah. That's huge, our thing. Like, it's huge, a big guitar sound. Huge. Yeah. It's just amazing. What, like, do, what are you guys really using on stage? What's the kind of the setup you guys. Um, we're, you know, we all use amps still. Right. We're like, you know, we're like, you know, because a lot of newer. You know, younger yeah. bands and even bigger, they use all digital stuff. Yeah. And, and everything's in-ears and... We are on in-ears. We yeah. all are in it, but we all use amps. And I, I would say we all use kind of hybrid setups. I mean, we all use digital effects. Yep, yep. Line, you know, I use Line 6, the Helix. Mm -hmm. as, you oh, know, okay, but yep. I use a power amp or a preamp power amp cabinet type setup. But we do have all our cabinets in ISO cabs offstage. Uh-huh. So there's nothing, there's right. silence other than drums. There's no sound on yeah. stage, and uh -huh. then we're all on in ears. In -ears. Yeah, which Mice. is, and I have to say, we we played the other way for a long time, just blasting on stage, 110 decibels, you know, four by twelve. I used to use sure. two Marshall hundred watt heads in stereo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's and a good sound. It is, and it, you know, but going on in ears is great because 
you realize how much you weren't hearing. It's yeah. like playing in the studio. It, it really does. It, mm-hmm. it feels like now when I'm playing live, it sounds similar to sitting in front of like studio monitors cool. and playing. Yeah. And it's different because as a guitar player, when you're if you've I grew up in an age where you just you play in a room and you play and you're used to hearing your cabinet and getting that low end thump from the four by twelve cabinet mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Where this is you're hearing the sound of a mic guitar cabinet mm-hmm. through your ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is more like the studio in that yeah. way. Yeah. But the clarity of and definition that you get and you actually it's a it's a reality check in terms of you think your guitar may sound great to you. But now you actually get an accurate representation of what's going through the PA, what everybody else is hearing. It's such an interesting... And and that makes you think about how you're shaping your tone differently. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I go back and forth between the two worlds all the time because I spend half my time on stage and half my time in the studio and know how different it is. You know, like to have the thump live... And then in the studio, it's gone. Gone. And then like that, like that a, microphone's you're, you're just never, to a microphone. never going to pick right. that up. No, that low end, no. like uh-uh. that, is never going to pick uh-uh. that up. And it's it, yeah. it's 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 uh, so. Do the in ear monitors? Do they they actually sound like real studio monitors? I mean, do they have that much bass in them? Where they you can do? Really... Yeah, a lot of the newer we I use JH Audio. Then the the one is the called the Roxans, and I think they have like. I don't know the amount of number, but they call them drivers, uh-huh. which show separate kind of frequency drivers. Uh-huh. And so it really does, I don't know how they do it, but it, it really does provide this kind of low sub thing. Wow. So it does replicate to your ear that you are hearing that low When end. you used in-ears on your gigs, did you ever feel like that it was that good? It was It was <coughs> getting, It was. we used, um, I can't think of the other... The main, the staple brand, ultimate that, ears. Yeah, ultimate ears. Yeah, we had yeah, ultimate ears. Yeah. I mean, they're like they're all. They're all I mean, yeah, I, they're, they're like fifteen hundred bucks back yeah, then, they're, and I'm they're sure still, they're even way better now. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, it took a while to get used to, but I did miss the the connection with the amp. But we weren't playing those volumes either, you know. Yeah. Like, not that you guys, what you guys are doing, uh-huh. but what about Billy's setup? Is there a distinct decision between you guys what he runs and what you run or did you absolutely yeah i mean on this tour i mean this is what we're doing right now is kind of like a just like a 10 day almost promo tour we've had a new record come out and so we're these are like that's why we're doing all these is that the silver silvery sometimes is the new the latest single i see yeah yeah because i heard that last night yeah i was listening to that last night Cool. Scott did homework. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I was just curious, man. I'm gonna have them on the show. Oh, yeah. right. Some of their music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that, man. And I gotta tell you, man. I, I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, way you. beyond what I thought I was gonna, oh. because it's not. I've heard some of the grunge bands and some yeah, of the blah yeah, blah yeah, blah. Yeah, it's yeah. not that. It's like real musicians. Really, like, yeah, real. I mean, the shit is together. Like, like the tones are fucking yeah. badass. Yeah, well, Scott you from know, Young and, will tell you yeah. that. I think that we're different than most men. That we are actually maybe too cognizant of what. What's no, going but but it's that's yeah, what makes yeah. it so. That's what separates it, man. Because I've heard some of these bands, the the, the, the tones are not that great. <laughs> yeah, um, they're not too, 
t- even in tune. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys are like you guys are like a if if you want to call it, it's like a musician's band of of. <laughs> We're definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely. I mean, a lot of fans of kind of prog rock and stuff. So yeah, it, yeah, it, you know, it's way together. And I'm not a huge. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of other bands from that generation that mm-hmm. were American bands. Anyway, yeah. I liked some British stuff that was coming out at the time. Yeah. But no, to what what you were saying before is that when we started the tour that we did this summer, we practiced for two months, wow. which is pretty long time for a rock band, you know. And yeah. we played three hours and fifteen minutes. So it was a long show, damn, crazy long show. And um, and we went over every detail of what guitar are you playing, what amp channel are you using, what pickups. So because when you because we have three guitar players live. So when to have that yeah. and have it be clear and distinct and give you what you want because so even if you have two guys playing the same thing and you want to get that bigger double track type of sound yeah. if the sounds are the same sometimes they they phase each other sure, out you know what I mean so we're we are very cognizant. So of how many that. different amps are you guys using? Well, like Billy and I both have these um, preamps that were originally designed by Bruce Egnator from Egnator yep. Amps, and then he licensed it to Randall. And so it's a preamp that houses four separate modules. Mm-hmm. And Randall made their own, and they were they really weren't that great. And so this guy out of um, the Czech Republic called Salvation <coughs> Audio reached out to me. This is like a long time ago. and said, hey, I do modifications of these preamps. They're going to be night and day different. And so he started sending me some of those. So basically, Billy and I have these kind of customized preamp module so i have four yep. in my and it's i have like a one that basically two vox type of for a clean and slightly dirty and then two marshall type of emulations yeah for like the heavier stuff and then that goes into a power amp that has um i use el34 you know because it's more yeah. of a british voice type of thing sure. and yeah and you're using pedals of course right no no no, no, pedals. no most of our distortion is from the amp Really? And then the pedals are just, like for a lead, I'll engage like a an overdrive type of thing, uh-huh. you know, right. but... For wow, the, the, that's some heavy, I no. mean, some of that low fuzz-like, you know, stuff, that's coming from the amps? Cranked all the way. Like, oh you, know, you, know, when you, you know what it's like when you crank a Marshall, yeah. it gets like these kind of weird yeah. kind of overtones, sure. you know, like the kind of the... God, it sounds huge, some yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rhythm guitar parts. Well, and then the ability, and Billy does a huge. lot of like, he can, Billy as a rhythm player, he can double track like very, very exact. I mean, uh-huh. we've done records where one album we did where we did it more like... Um, like I would say, like the, the Aerosmith model, where it's like Joe Perry on one side, Brad Whitford on the other, and right. then we've done records where Billy's like, I want to see what it sounds like, if, you know, where he does it all himself too, where it's just him, and so it just depends. It, who's more of the the rhythm? I mean, this is a dumb thing, but who's who's more of the rhythm guy and who's more of the lead guy? Well, in the studio, in the studio and live, it sometimes we end up playing parts that you didn't play or whatever because it just depends. In the studio, um, a lot of times, like in this new record, Billy, because if he he wrote the riffs, uh, he's the principal songwriter. He double tracked all his own rhythm parts, mm-hmm. and then um, James and I would play do overdubs over the top. It's sometimes a complementary rhythm part mm-hmm. or lead melody lines over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then live, it just depends. Like like how to make it sound like the record. So sometimes 
like I'll play rhythm parts that I didn't play or vice versa. Or, and what you know. recording medium are you using? Pro Tools? <laughs> yeah, we just did a new record with Rick Rubin and it was all Pro Tools. Uh-huh. But, you know, through like, you know... Um, at 96? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But, you know, the, he, at Rick's studio, Shangri-La, I mean, he has, you know, all great outboard gear and I think it was a an API board. And, nice. Yeah, you know, now, so, so running nice. it through nice stuff. How was it to work with Rick Rubin? I mean, he's one of the most iconic guys in the world, you know? Um, He's great. I mean, to, to put it, you know, I mean, there's, that's like a whole other, that could be a whole other podcast. I mean, right. he's, I mean, he's obviously one of the most successful rock and roll producers ever. I mean, the amount of platinum yeah. albums and hit songs. And I mean, I don't even just rock, because I mean, he just worked with like Kanye West. He and did Johnny Adele. Cash. Yeah, he just did the like newest Adele record. Oh, he did? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wow. You know, I've never worked with a producer in my life. So let me ask you, the band obviously has its own voice, has its own musical For ideas. Sure. Would you say that the producer, in your case, is more of a technical advisor? Or does he actually get into the music and say, hey, man, I think you can skip this 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 four bars of music or I think yeah, you should have Yeah, more it. the latter. For Rick Rick is a Rick is not a detail oriented type of producer, especially with a band like us. Like we know how to record. I mean, we're very like meticulous in terms of like, oh that take sucked, I'm out of tune or right. let me do it again. You know uh-huh. what I mean? He's more of a definitely like a big picture like he heard like we gave him fifteen ideas like kind of song and he chose like okay I think these are the eight strongest ones oh so he's then, more musical yeah oriented. very musical and vibe and then once uh-huh. once he kind of goes this is the direction this is the vibe then he'll kind of just come in in the morning check in he'll leave and then come back and be like okay that sounds great or you know what I mean he doesn't need he's not going to sit there and listen to you do 50 guitar takes right and go that's the one right nah okay. it's not really that's his that's not Rick yeah. no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, man! Big... How, was that the first time you guys worked with him? Billy did a solo record with him, yeah. and, but that was the first time the band had worked yeah. with him. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good experience. Great. Yeah. Great. I mean, he's got it's the best of the best. Yeah. I mean, the engineers are amazing. Like that he's got over I mean, there. It's fucking Rick Rubin, the man! Team, I, mean, I mean, wow. You know, and you know, it's great because you don't even. I mean, they're there, but like when you if you're like, hey, I want to try this guitar part, like they're not dicking around for 20 minutes going like, oh, let me try a different mic. Like, they, they're able to dial up a great sound like immediately yeah. To, yeah. Where it's, so, to where it's seamless. Like, you don't really feel like they're slowing down the process. And that's really, I think, the sign of a great engineering so team. Is let it? me ask you something just for, because I'm an engineer myself. Yeah. So how, let's say you record a, a thing and, and you've, you record a guitar part uh-huh. and you think in your mind, well, you know, I think this guitar part needs a little 3K or it needs a little, it's got a too much 100 hertz in it. Are you the guy that says, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna EQ my guitar part to sound like what I want or do you leave it up to the engineers to do that? Well, that's a whole different story because that's, you know, God's going to go to the mixer. Because oftentimes, the, you know, on this album, the guy who engineered actually mixed it. But uh-huh. oftentimes we've done records where someone completely different comes in and mixes. Uh-huh. So what they end up doing isn't, I don't always know. E- even know. In theory, right. in theory, the the band, and I learned this from Billy, and Billy is an amazing, 
he has an amazing sound. I mean, he's a, he's a guitar icon in the rock oh, world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I don't know how many guitar, guitar players I got. Player. Well, yeah. He was on the cover, man, and yeah. so many stories about Billy and his guitar yeah, playing. Yeah, and yeah, no. He's so a he, monster. His, and so I've learned from his approach, his approach is he doesn't really like EQ. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing is change the mic, change the mic pre to where you get the sound, the source sound is strong. Right. So you have to, so the least amount of EQing is better for him what? because he feels like, and I don't know if this is true. I mean, I, 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 you guys would, you know, he thinks that, like, if you start EQing guitars, it changes some of the phase relationship. It does yeah, but- and, and so. That to him, he he hears those things. He wants and pure. So that, he wants so that pure. bothers him. You what know what I mean? What I've learned yeah. as a as a guitar like layerer yeah. is that is that you know the lower something is in the mix, the more treble it needs to be heard. So yeah. I often play a part at the volume where I need to play it to make sure that it's good. But then when I turn it down in the mix, I realize shit, it's really dark. So ah, I see. And, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And, and so I have to add a lot more high end to it so that it speaks at that really low level. Sure, in the mix. sure, sure. So I guess you know, I'm wondering if like when you guys record a part that you guys know is going to be turned way down in the mix, do you just play it extra super bright and just deal with the fact that it's cutting your head off when you no, record? No, I don't want to say or, we try to do. I think uh-huh. we just try to get the the best sound possible. I don't think uh-huh. we think too far into the future about like where mm-hmm. it's going to sit in the right. mix. And probably yeah. the engineers, if they feel like a part, or the guy, whoever's mixing it, feels like if there's a part down there and you can't hear it because it's too I dark, I think that's what I'm saying. The guys like Rick, Dana, the guy who Rick's made into, I think he's already thinking those three steps. It's a great I engineer see. is going to know, like, I have all this sound, I have all the information I need in that sound to where mm-hmm. if I'm in a situation like that, I can carve it out in a way that's going right, to be right. musical. So still. you really trust the engineers and know that they're really good, and they know what they're, they're going to do. These guys were great. These guys yeah. were great. Yeah, these yeah. guys are probably some of the best in the world. Yeah, right? I mean, Rick Rubin. I wish I had that luxury. Right? Where is where is <laughs> the studio? Is it, Malibu. It is Malibu. Malibu. He didn't get uh-huh. affected by the fires. I, I think his house burned down. Oh, but really? His personal house. Yeah. Oh, no fuck. way. But I don't think the studio. Jesus. I think the studio is oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Wow. You know, when, when the fires happened one year, Zawinul lived in Malibu. Yeah. And the house next to his burned down, and on the other side burned down, and his house didn't get He's touched. Didn't Isn't that wow. crazy? Just nuts, man. That's, that's nuts. insane. We know, we, we were just talking about, like, we know a lot of friends that lost their house. Yeah. Like Jimmy Earl, the bass player. Oh, yeah, yeah, lost yeah. Lost his house. And Lee Rittenauer lost his house, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the drummer was a great drummer. Uh, last year, Simon Phillips. Oh, that's right. It's Simon that Phillips. was last year. Didn't yeah, um, we're gonna Bowie's, play. Yeah, Bowie's. No, actually, Mike Garson's going to play with us tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And he lost his. He lost house. everything. He lost everything. Jesus. All his pianos. He's probably Holy hitting up shit. Yamaha pretty soon to be like. Wow. <laughs> get, get some more pianos. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow, I yeah. don't even. I, yeah. Just the thought of just one day you have all this stuff and then it's gone and you. You didn't have any. Well, it makes you, if you at all have that type of Buddhist Zen type of mentality to where you try not to get attached to objects. Yeah, it right. really the thing with makes Mike, you put your though, money where your mouth is, is had, right? Supposedly he had so many manuscripts of written music that had yet to be recorded 
that he didn't back up anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Probably handwritten stuff, Yeah, because that's the way I can compose. I write everything down, and so if I were to lose all those manuscripts... I know there's a photocopier over at Kinko's. Well, you know, but then you're right. No, what, you I, need, what I need to remember to do is to like take pictures of it and send yeah. them as emails to yeah, myself sure. and keep them in a cache somewhere, sure. just in case I need to. I just put start all my stuff up online, like right. on you send it. So I just uh, take yeah. a whole digital performer file and just upload it to you send it. Yeah, but I'm talking about written materials, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I mean, just to have something backed up that's not at your house. Right. You know, so that if every, something happens, your house burns down. Right, you, just, you can just send it computers. to yourself and keep it in a folder right. in your email. Exactly. Yeah. I've exactly. even, because, you know, Tony you know, would try yeah. to start transcribing stuff right. a little bit i started using i think it's called notation mm -hmm. on my ipad mm -hmm. to write down yeah. you know mm -hmm. notate stuff right. a little right bit. yeah i should probably go digital i'm just so attached to pencil and paper after all these it's years. definitely if you're i mean definitely at this point in my life it's slower to use the ipad because yeah. i need it's easier to just do it by hand yeah. but again you're I never learned how to work a paper and pencil. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty high. It's pretty new it's, technology. It's a technology. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've but really you even did that thing where you used thing. the Fishman Mini yes. can to, to yes. notate your stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I. It would how be, did that work? It it it's not. You know, not nothing against Fishman because their shit tracks really well. But you know, just about any MIDI. Thing that you attach Especially on guitar, guitar yeah. when you hit like a C chord, you'll see the C chord, and then you'll see like an F, and then it'll be a, it's like picking a. up all these overtones. It picks up all these yeah, overtones, so yeah. you have to go in and clean it up, you know. Oh, but an I artifact say, too, would, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It yeah. would have been faster to do it on guitar anyway than it would be on keyboard or to notate it by hand. It would have yeah, been faster yeah. to do it that to way. To go and so fix it is easier. That taking away stuff is exactly, easier than adding. Yeah. Exactly, because the, the yeah. thing is, I have a lot of uh, voicings with open strings. And unless I have the guitar in my hand, I can't remember those voicings. And I have sure, to have sure. the guitar in my hand anyway, so I might as well just play it and yeah. and then and then just the computer prints it out. It's so much easier. Yeah. But you know, that's that's my only experience with, with MIDI guitar. It still does that crazy thing where every time you play something, yeah. you, you get all these other notes that don't belong. I've there. seen that there's some companies now making like MIDI guitar technology. I saw Someone on Instagram had bought this guitar. It's from some boutique company in Ireland that where the neck is actually like sensitive. Like well, there's yeah. sensors inside, and so yeah. it tracks way well, better. Well, that's like the holes were wow. synthax. Oh, was it was it? all about wired frets. Okay, so yeah, when you yeah. play a tone, it's just like hitting a note on a synthesizer. God, it's, it's not a MIDI. That's why he could play to, all that crazy yeah, stuff. It's not like yeah, a, a, yeah. a MIDI pickup trying to convert audio into MIDI or magnet, magnetism into MIDI. It's it's, it's actually slow, it's yeah. actually a, a wired. It's a direct contact yeah, with yeah, the fret, and sure. then, then of course that's going to be cleaner and and if you, you know, do a bend, it can. But it's going to lose a lot of the the. Our dynamics yeah maybe. yeah all of yeah, the of all the source information exactly it's tracking yeah. like a hitting a note on a exactly keyboard. well it's uh, running it through a synthesizer right. anyway as yeah well. and i think yeah. still there's yeah. dynamic yeah. sensitivity yeah, in that yeah. midi stuff you know alan's style was more 
Alan's style was never dynamic. Anyway. Yeah, and it wasn't it was really about the articulation. Just, it was yeah. compressed, and everything's the same volume. Right, right. Amazing notes, but there's it's not like blues where right. it's soft and then it's loud. Then it's yeah, in the tack, it's always well because he didn't have any picket tack really. Right, right. 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 He picked so it. soft that yeah. you wouldn't know. Sure. <laughs> See, so you, you're yeah. still studying. You, you said you mentioned who was the guitar player? Uh, Tony Del Rosario, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, he. Well, after playing rock my whole life yeah and i kind of you know i always was a jazz listener and then i you know i just was going like my plane's becoming stale and i'm lucky i'm, I'm like well i'm at this opportunity to where i can play guitar i play guitar for a living i should really reinvest some serious time into yep. getting better and i you know took a few lessons from people here and there and then somehow i ended up you know, discovering Tony. And so now I've been studying with Tony for about two years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we're starting like from jazz 101, you know, from mm -hmm. like to where I, you know, when I play the arch top, the whole deal, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So oh, cool. Yeah. That's um, awesome, man. But that's been a definite reprogramming of the mind because he's teaches in a way that um, kind of, I would, I wouldn't say it's a completely traditional approach but you can maybe add to this be uh, you know both of you guys because you know but coming from rock you play key center right. okay e minor blues blues out pentatonic yeah. maybe you play some dorian but you know what i mean but guys you, know, you can get away it's like one note basically over mm -hmm. all these chord chains you can play mm -hmm. on one key and just up and down the neck and yeah. you know where to go like okay like i have to play and follow chord tones chord progressions mm -hmm. and know have really command we realize as a rock player you really don't know the fretboard mm -hmm. you know some shapes and some patterns but you're not really identifying notes where they are and how they relate to the harmony right. that's it's going like on. looking at the guitar like a piano instead of instead yeah. of a, yeah. instead of a group of <laughs> shapes and 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 dots and patterns yeah. you start looking at the guitar as a piano like you know that you need the third of a note and yeah. you got to know where the third of the note, the note is, is on the yeah and then you only have like been a second really and a half later it's when shifted I was, when <laughs> I was studying I mean, so. jazz at, at um, Florida Atlantic University yeah. there was a there was a class and it was about it was like a chord tone class so there were trumpet players and piano players and guitar players yeah. and saxophone players and the and the idea was like when the teacher called uh, a chord you know and he would say play the flat nine of this chord right mm -hmm. and everybody would play the note and the only ones that couldn't do it were the guitar players <laughs> like, everybody else boom they're on that note and the guitar players like whoa <laughs> like the other flat nine right yeah, yeah exactly. not that flat nine <laughs> exactly. no it's one. true it's, it's so a flat nine of something <laughs> yeah right that's right clocks yeah. broken clocks right twice a day right <laughs> so you know so there's that right the 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 <coughs> that type of learning how to really play harmony yeah. you know and against harm is it yeah and then second which i you know i think for rock players you know making this kind of translation is you don't have the rhythm chops mm -hmm. to really have command of the rhythm in the bar you know, because again, it's, you know, you have a drummer just playing two and four the whole time. It's really not that hard to get kind of lost where you are. The drummer does a big fill going into the next part. Yeah. You don't really have to keep track of where you are and really understand how rhythm is working. 
Tell you what, I'll send you guys Virgil Donati and you can do it. <laughs> Maybe he can send in with you guys at the yeah. forum tonight and completely fuck like, up your yeah, game. Yeah, right? You, you know, won't you... know where one is at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so having that type of, I would have maybe called rhythmic responsibility of like keeping, really focusing on your meter and, and the bar and keeping track of time and being able to have that rhythmic vocabulary. Uh-huh. You know, that is, uh, it's been a huge... Uh, having to reprogram my mind in that way too yeah oh that's awesome it is, yeah. do, do you sh do, when you guys are working together like in the band do you guys do you share do you, do you feel like you're bringing some of that to the table now oh, my own plane absolutely yeah. those yeah. guys um don't they're not schooled in that way i'm like right. the most schooled musician I, I know jimmy the, uh, chamberlain right that's yeah his name. um the drummer i've met him a number of times and I know he does like a jazz project with he does. Frank. Frank Catalano, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Who yeah. I know real well. Um, so uh, I, you know, I've, funny enough, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's great. You yeah. know, Jimmy's a, you know, he's a. I mean, he. I think his. People always say, "Oh, he he started from jazz," and I think yeah. his. But I really think his 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 kind of main was originally was someone like Tony Williams, right? You know, Lifetime and that kind of mm -hmm. later, and then went back. You yeah. know, but that's, mm -hmm. but for a rock drummer, for a guy to in rock to be able to infuse that type of drumming, that's why I think the Pumpkins always had a much more sophisticated approach to to the music is because he had a drummer that was a juggernaut. You know what I mean? That could really play this other stuff that made the to play syncopated rhythms in a way that other rock bands just don't. It's kind of yeah. like Danny Carey and Tool. Yeah. You know, because yeah. Danny, you know, Tool is, I mean, when you listen to their music, it's pretty straight ahead, but Danny can play. I mean, he yeah. he's really coming from the Tony Williams thing. Yeah, and really, yeah. Really brings that extra thing to the band. No, Jimmy's like one, probably one of the best naturally gifted musicians I've ever played with to mm -hmm. where he's just, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely, I have to, I'm not saying he doesn't work. I'm just saying like some people, they they just, whatever, the way they hear music and stuff is like they're, they're you know, probably like someone like Jocko was mm -hmm. on this other level yeah, already. Sure. Like they just, you know, this kind of more intuitive sense. Right. And I've, I, I definitely don't have that. I'm like, I gotta <laughs> yeah. like sit in the fucking room and, and like... And you know the match are just like oh my god how do i do one more time one more. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> really put in the but hour. it's cool you know when you hear that somebody who's as successful as you are and and you really don't have to do anything now i mean you're you're but you're but you're so in the yeah. music that you want to improve yourself well, and you're still i mean sometimes rocks you don't look at rock stars that way like well it's most like, of them are because there's you know, i mean i think a lot of you know once you've you're there it's like it becomes about other things, mm -hmm. you know. But for me, I'm still probably more than ever in my life. I'm really dedicated to music, just as as something important to my life. Yeah, you know, yeah. In a very, in, you know, try at least try to approach it from that very pure sense, and that just putting two or three good notes together is is what it's so really we'll about. expect to hear like giant steps on the next smashing oh pumpkins. i would i yeah actually you know i mean still the rock and every, roll version of working it. through those changes you know what i mean it's it's a challenge you know what i mean but it's it's great yeah no i just i really felt like you know at this like you know rock and roll can be kind of silly you know and it and it's and i think you guys can all 
agree that like when when I was 17, 18, if you would have told me, hey, when you're 45, the Rolling Stones are still going to be around playing gigs, yeah. you would have been like, no way. Yeah. You know, it's insane. Yeah. But the fact that because the music music culture has changed so much and that rock is really not a dominant cultural force, it's become like almost a subgenre of its own that mm-hmm. like people like us and the Stones and, you know... Um, whatever all these other bit paul mccartney are out still playing yeah. and are really roger waters these are people that are still like the biggest drawing acts yeah. in rock you know have, that have you noticed it, a, like when was the last time you guys were out um not that long in 2016 okay so it was only like a, a year but have year. you noticed since you joined the band have you noticed a definitely just because of the change in the music environment like is it when you go out in the road, you're like, wow, things are really different now. Like well, you- everything has changed yeah. for the most part in that when I joined the band, it was the very last time when you did tours really based around like an album cycle where mm-hmm. it was to go and promote the album. And to where now, especially with the band that's, that's called like a legacy band like the Smashing Pumpkins, where you already have this big you know number of hit songs from the past, um, that now you don't really need an album to go tour. Right. You know, you can yeah. go tour basically anytime you want because the legacy you, that Yeah, stuff you, you have, have yeah. you have the the catalog to where you know people you, want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And well and in your have the pressure to play that stuff. Yeah. yeah. To where they don't really to incorporate new music into your repertoire is you have to be careful. If you yeah. t- if you do play too many new tunes you know, people get bummed. But, you know, when I first started kind of getting into jazz, I, you know, started like, okay, I'm going to listen to this music a lot. You know, I dabbled in it, but I really got to learn, you know, the history of the music. And so I started, you know, Chicago's a pretty decent place to see. It's yeah. not New York or even L.A. L.A.'s got a lot of exciting stuff going on here now, too. Chicago's a great jazz town, though. So I started going to shows a lot, yep. all the time. Yeah. And... You notice even with like someone big, like even like a Kurt Rosenwinkel, you know, right? Mm-hmm. He had you can tell like people are bummed if he doesn't play some of his more well known older tunes. Right. You know, if he goes out there only plays the new stuff, people are okay with it, but you know, like you can <laughs> sense that if he went into one of those tunes off like the next step or something people would be really happy. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you got to play the hits. But, you know, in general, jazz is, is a lot like what you're saying. It's not as much album-oriented. Like, when a jazz yeah. artist comes to town, people, jazz is, it, it, you just, you know, throughout history, jazz has more been about playing yeah. than, like, a composition on a record. So, yeah. you know, they'll go see a jazz artist because they want to hear him play, and whether he has a new album or not is kind of immaterial. Yeah. You know, they yeah, just yeah. go because they want to see this guy play. Yeah. So we don't have to worry so much about... But I did encounter it on this last Asia tour. The Blue Note didn't want me in Japan because of my new album. They, they, they said, well, I know he's working on a new album. We'd like to wait until the album is out. And that's actually a very unusual. That usually right, doesn't right, happen. Right, but yeah. every once in a while, like Blue Note's kind of more corporate. So they're like, okay, I know we can fill this room more. If he has a brand new album, I think it's going to be a well, better Well, Japan sale, is so. one of the very last ones where the album yeah. really matters. Yeah. Still. So, you know, so people go out and actually rarely, buy people. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. not, I mean, I've been touring on the same album now for four years. <laughs> so yeah, I don't yeah. think it matters that what's, much. What's the big song you guys play that everyone just, uh Well, there's a bunch. We have, like, I mean, Billy's has, you know, written some 
big hits. Monster hits, yeah. And so there's, I'd say that we're at the point now where there's six to eight songs. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, which is, then that's why we get to play the big shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I mean, it comes down to it. it it's, it's, you know, you, you get to, if you have that catalog, you get to play those shows. And do you always play those six songs? If we play pretty much, if we're playing bigger shows, we have to. It's not like well, pretty much. You, have, you, you do. Have I to. mean, you want to. Yeah, I mean, the people yeah. came to hear it. You want to make them ever go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever go? Ah, this one again. <laughs> I, no, don't what, say it. It's being recorded. Uh, no, 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 no. I think that that's why, as a musician, like you mm. know, I think I don't. I think you have to get to a healthy place with it, where yeah. if if that. 90 minutes or two hours or three hours is that the length it, of your show what's the usual length of a show on this tour we did this one was three hours and 15 minutes wow and then right now we a break or no breaks no breaks straight through it's that's, that's a fucking marathon it's a long it's show yeah. it's the mental co- it really wears you out mentally because and not so yeah. much physically anymore because the volume on stage isn't beating you no, up. No, it's that must not be that. A big it's not difference. that. It's just more of the. I know, but I mean, in the Easter- old days. Oh, that would. You know, when I, I, you know, you know, remember, it's yeah. not just the mental thing. I mean, if, if the band is loud, I play with a lot of really loud salsa bands. You know, yeah. Like, you feel like you've been in a heavyweight fight. The ear the fatigue, the, yeah. yeah. Just in yeah. the body, your body's getting pounded by yeah. all yeah. that sound yeah. waves. No, this is great with the in-ears. Like yeah. You just take them out and you have no ringing, nothing. It's just... Yeah. That's great. It's great. That's great. Yeah. So it's, now it's all just the mental focus for yeah, that Yeah, you start thinking about what what did I order for food afterwards? You know what I mean? You're like, oh yeah, shit, I got yeah, this yeah. solo to play. You know what I mean? I gotta like, what are the, you know what I mean? Like you start thinking, you know what I mean? Your mind starts, you can start wandering. And I imagine like, the, yeah, the, I've definitely, I've got a couple <laughs> tunes that have been in the set forever. <laughs> yeah. And you know, every time they come up, I'm just like, Okay, it's not so much the song, but it's like when it comes time to the solo, I've played this solo so many times, like, what can I possibly do that I haven't ever done before on this tune? Yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's sort of like almost, okay, I'm in a way I'm looking forward to it because it's a challenge. Like, yeah, how can I yeah. possibly do something I've never done before on this fucking and, <laughs> But there is, there is an element, particularly when you, when you hit that level, or, you know, like if you're doing a theatrical piece, or if... Mm. Or if you're a comedian, I mean, you have to tell the same joke yep. every night, but you have to tell it like it's the first time you yep. ever heard no, it. No, that and that's something that I really would focus on. I'd be yeah. like, hey, you know what? Like, you can't. A professional, you know, doesn't have that bad attitude of like, right. oh, I've done this. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you have to really go. Hey, these people paid their hard-earned money and like, it's, and it's really, great shit I'm right. playing. Yeah. And you play right. it like you love it, and it's the first. It's like. Yeah, I mean, that's the attitude you have. Otherwise, yeah, you're just, yeah. you know, music's so much about how you feel when you're playing it. Yeah. yeah. It's such a, it's such, it's such a, well, one of the problems I have with jazz is because it's, and a lot of people that play, because it's so intellectually complex that it gets to be the point where guys stop feeling things when they're playing it because they're so busy thinking the mechanics of doing yeah that like yeah, the yeah. important dna of the music of just how do you feel today you know are you excited about it or what you know what i mean the, mm-hmm. those human elements that are such a big part of playing are just gone because everybody's doing chemistry assignments yeah you yeah. know mm-hmm. a lot of the time and uh yeah i mean it's it's you can hear it you, you know you well, you teach, it. so you know, and you get yeah. to this really this young generation right. that's really, you know, 
like they're really fascinated with all you know with like yeah crazy but that's normal yeah, i mean i was yeah. too when i was their age to a certain extent i was lucky i just got to work all the time so i didn't have the luxury of falling down the rabbit hole of only caring about that yeah you know i had yeah. gig responsibilities you actually got it yeah, yeah yeah there's a thing when you're on stage you can't afford to think that way because yeah. Because you, 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 it's a downward spiral. Yeah. You know? So so if you're not having fun, then probably you're not going to look back on the the gig as a as a as a positive experience, even if it played well. Yeah. If you didn't have fun, you know, if if it didn't it didn't get to that level, that kind of I don't know what to call it, but that zen kind of level where you're really like paying attention to everything that's going on and you're communicating with the other band members and, and it, you all are smiling and having a good time, then you're likely to walk off stage going, eh, that was not that yeah, great of a gig, yeah. you know. But no matter and how more importantly, the audience. Well you're, yeah, no matter how many correct notes you played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for you guys. When you guys are improvising, and this is something that, you know, as a skill, like I've had to, trying to, develop even more is how are you able to negotiate like kind of what you're want to play note wise and all that kind of stuff but then also listening to what everybody else is playing because that's really the key you know yeah. where like doing what we do in a rock band is you can go hey i got to play this lead and it may be challenging but you can just practice it a hundred times till you get it right and then you just go and execute every night you don't doesn't really matter what jimmy's doing on the drums or, you know what i mean yeah, like right. you're just gonna you're gonna you're just going to go down the path and you're just going to play it every night but when you're actually truly improvising and you want to react to what's going on you almost have to create like a different type of space in your mind you to where you, you can do. hear what you're playing but also listening you know it's well, you different. have to create you, you well first of all you have to leave space so that there that you can listen to because yeah. if you don't leave any space you can't hear what the other guys are playing so that's one of the things for me i have to tell myself every time and it is amazing that i'm 64 years old and i still have to tell myself this because i don't do it naturally my first yeah. instinct is just fill the fucking air with as many notes <laughs> as i can <laughs> so, so, so i have to actually oh, that's the most guitar player i, I have to I mean? say to yeah. myself i have this thing now where i do this thing where I put my arms at my sides when I play. And I say, you're going to put your arms down at your sides. Like I've seen a million saxophone players do. They play some notes and they put their arms down at their sides. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, so I make myself do it. I just say, arms down to your sides. And I, and I play and, and you know, I play, a, I play a phrase and then I put my arms down at my sides and then I play again. And while my arms are down at my sides, I'm actually able to hear what the other, other guys are doing. <laughs> How they actually reacted to what you played. And then, yeah. and then that they, yeah. I see that, hey, they actually are, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's harder sometimes when it's just a bass player and a drummer and you don't have another mid-range instrument to... You know, there's nobody comping or playing yeah, something melodic kind of to, to uphold the harmony. Exactly, yeah, or yeah. just you know, sometimes keyboard players will play melodic ideas at you, or saxophone players will yeah. play a melodic idea at you, and it's much easier to to relate to that. But when it's just bass and drums, I guess, and especially if the bass player is just walking, it's not really reacting to you at yeah. all. He's just walk. He's just doing his job. So it's mainly the drummer. So you're listening to the drummer to see if, like, did he play a rhythmic idea that's worth, like, trying to inspire me to do something else? And yeah. then if he does, then you, then you follow that. And, yeah. and maybe he follows you. And, and if you're, 
if you think about putting your arms down to your sides again, you listen to him. But I don't. I think it's impossible, at least for me, to play and listen at the same time. I can't do it. Yeah. Because yeah. my mind can only concentrate on one thing at a time. So if I don't leave space, I don't hear what's going on yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my thing. And Bruce might feel differently. I don't know. Well, I've started to play solo, so I don't have to listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pay anybody else either. <laughs> well, no, no, uh, no, I. Uh, Huh. I. It's like I can hear everything going on around me. But I do generally, uh, do oftentimes focus on specific things that I listen to outside of me. Like I'm way more of a drummer, interactive guy. The rhythm to me is like well, that's, yeah. is the thing. It's the key. I mean, if you've got a drummer in the band, that's why you're going to sound good or bad in my opinion, mm -hmm. and why you're going to love the music or not. So definitely more of my focus is going towards the rhythmic interaction with the drummer. But I still am obviously hearing, you know, substitute harmony coming from bass or if there's a keyboard player. And definitely if I have a keyboard player, I play a lot of chords, you know, because I can provide my own harmony. Uh, if I have a keyboard player, definitely I will lighten up mm -hmm. how much of that I do to leave space for that person to interact yeah. with what's going on, you know, and um, so I'm, yeah, I mean, I I think I was really young and I was playing in a, on a record date and really sucking, and, and uh, one of the old guys just said to me, he says, stop listening to yourself. Don't listen to yourself, listen to us. Yeah, I think and that's, like yeah. it changed everything, and it didn't just change studio playing; it changed my life on the bandstand as well. Just you know, don't you don't need to listen to yourself. You're you're already hearing it when you're playing it. Don't listen, you know, listen to what's yeah. going on. Your listening part shouldn't be you; should be everything. Yeah, I've else. kind of found when I can, I realize I'm like, oh, geez, I'm rushing so much. I need to like, if I kind of can listen with the bigger ears, you realize like, oh, I gotta can play more in the pocket and right. all that Which kind of stuff. Which is the focus is, of the drummer, you yeah, know. Yeah, when you and they listen move. to yourself as a guitar player, you just, you know, it can, be, if you, if it can you, be bad. If you, if you, <laughs> you listen to too much to yourself, yeah. sometimes that self-hate guy comes out. Yeah. And sometimes you analyzing, <laughs> analyzing yeah, right. what you play. Sometimes, and then if you start analyzing what you play, then sort of like all is lost because, because <laughs> yeah. then then you're like a music critic of yourself. You're your own music critic while you're playing, and then then forget it. Yeah, so that's the yeah, wrong attitude sure. to have for sure. Try to forget yeah. that guy exists. Yeah, I think you have to have a certain amount of swagger. You have to be a little bit of a of a. You really have to be a little bit of a, a of a um, narcissist to really play well. You know, you you have to like think, go out on stage thinking you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Because if you don't, if you lose your confidence, that's bad. Then, then it's, it's confidence it's, it's, is what he's talking confidence. about. Yeah, you've got to yeah. have a little bit of a swagger. Like you know, I've seen Jeff Beck walk out on stage. And I sort of feel like the guy's thinking in his head, I could take a shit right now on stage and I would still be the greatest fucking <laughs> guitar, guitar player. player. <laughs> you know, I get yeah, that attitude yeah, from yeah, him, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and I've, 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 I get that attitude from him when I read his interviews and I just feel like the guy is like a, a walking... Now, now he, may, he may say that's not true, but the, the, the opinion that I get from... Hearing and and checking him out, see, he seems to be a guy with a lot of confidence, and and uh, I've learned from that. I've learned from players like him, and I've known other guitar players who seem to be really confident when they go out yeah. on stage, and I think that helps them play well. 
and have fun. Well, yeah, and yeah. I, th I think that, yeah, that you need to fake it if you don't have it, and then once you start playing, you do have it. Yeah. I mean, everybody, I can't, I can't believe even Jeff Beck can't hear all the deficiencies well, in, sure. in what he does. Sure. It is highly sure, aware sure, of sure. what he wants to be doing and what he's capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And yet, when you get out and play play music, you've got to give yourself a hundred percent to it. He, you have to yeah. believe in it, and you have to be there for just not just yourself, but for the other members of the band and for the audience. Well, and you know, and and if you get if you start running around with this scared shit, nothing good is going to happen. Right. You know, and you just got. I mean, I learned that from riding horses. You know? <laughs> no, I think that's why you try to take the attention off yourself is because if you do have all your attention on yourself you do notice the deficiencies and yeah. what you think should happen but in actuality what is happening right. and then you start thinking that all it is is damage control like i wanted to play this but i played that so i've somehow got to do damage control and fix it no, uh, and yeah, if the yeah, whole night yeah. is about damage control you don't have any fun so if you listen to everybody else and don't really think what you're doing is all that important, sort of like like it's not brain surgery, and if you fuck up, nobody's going to die, Yeah. then yeah. maybe you're going to have a better time and things are going to be more relaxed. And you've you got to make you know. good things out of bad things. Bad things are going to happen, man. I mean, I don't know anybody who can get on the bandstand and just nail shit, you know? I mean, even the, those guys you look at as like, wow, the they're gods yeah, the of, gods, yeah, you know, Jimmy, whatever, mistake. you know, I mean, yeah, he's if you got inside his head, he's adjusting to fuck-ups every second, man, every symphonic every everything everybody's that's part of what we do and why the ones of us that are successful are is because we can continually adjust to shit as it's happening you know <laughs> adjusting to shit no that's really a, it's our that's, job that's, that's no no it's really right. true i mean there's yeah there is not there's not like a bad way to put it i yeah. mean you if you ever played a whole minute where nothing happened that you didn't have to kind of like 15 seconds. Okay, no, no I mean, I'm just saying no one's ever gone a minute. No I one I can go has. 15 seconds of playing some badass shit, but then something bad's bound to happen. Yeah, I know, and probably it starts to bad happen is because you thought, boy, I just played some really good shit, and then you're right and down you, the toilet. And you realize, like, and you know what, the hard thing is you have to realize that your self-impression of what something is is not how anybody else no, is experiencing of course not. it. Because, right. like, we played last night in Phoenix, and Scott was there and he's seen us play I don't know 20 30 times at least mm -hmm. and he was like wow last night was one of the best like that was amazing last night it was yeah. great and I'm like mm -hmm. we felt like just felt like another gig you know what I mean it didn't right. feel it to us like playing it didn't feel like like wow that's yeah. you know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Hi, everybody. You got a new CD coming out? New project you're really excited about? I know you're thinking about hiring that promo guy for thousands of dollars, and it really is kind of necessary these days, I guess, if you're not out working gigs and touring and stuff. But got an idea for you. How about reaching out to a really engage community of guitar wankers and let them know you've got this new project. So we're offering some slots for some minimal advertising and you can provide uh, some copy to us and a clip of your music and we'll be happy to let the wankers know what you got going 
and really help you get your word out to people. So throw it down and just give us an email and uh, we'll be happy to share rates and everything with you and help you get your music out to the world. Keep swinging. We'll find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna smile to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase. Kids from one to